Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Bethany Saltman on a mother's journey into the science of attachment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm Karen Doyle Buckwalter, your host, joining you here from Chaddock. So our guest today is going to be Bethany Saltman, and let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's a little bit different than some of the guests we typically have on the podcast. Um, Bethany is an author, award-winning editor, and researcher. Her work has been in magazines like The New Yorker, New York Magazine, Atlantic Monthly, Parents, Town & Country, and many others. Her first book, Strange Situation, A Mother's Journey into the Science of Attachment, was released in April 2020. She also uh, serves as a best-selling book partner and in-demand mindfulness mentor, helping writers and entrepreneurs of all stages with the creative process of envisioning and executing their projects, including book proposals, books, content development, big ideas, messaging, and more. So she could also be an asset perhaps to some of our listeners outside of the realm specific to attachment. So she um, graduated from Antioch College, where she was the architect of one of the nation's first affirmative consent policies. She went on to get an MFA in poetry from Brooklyn College in 1994. She is also a longtime Zen student. She's devoted to the fine art and game-changing effects of paying attention and lives in a small town in the Catskills with her family. Um, I do want to also share that prior to this book releasing, she wrote a piece uh, in 2016 for New York magazine that went viral called Can Attachment Theory Explain All of Our Relationships? So I know this interview is going to be a real treat for everyone. I am honored to be able to interview Bethany and she will be coming right up. Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle Buckwalter will be joining Daphna Lender for the other half of the equation, engaging parents in child therapy. This two-day workshop on September 24th and 25th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is open now. For more information, or to register for the workshop, head to tkcchaddock.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm here for part two of my interview with Bethany Saltman, who wrote The Strange Situation. Strange Situation. Um, there's not a the, is there? Isn't it just? No. <laughs> just straight. I thought so. Um, and so so accustomed to, to saying it uh, the other way. Um, so thank you for coming back with us, Bethany. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So so last time, you know, we we were, 
talking about the fact that, you know, you came at this from a personal perspective, but you also, your research was so in-depth. Like, you actually became trained in in how to code the strange situation, how to code the adult attachment interview. You went and visited labs. You, I mean, this was a big commitment and quite a process. I mean, Indeed. tell us a little bit about all of that because that just gripped me when I uh, mm. when I read that in the prologue. I'm like, really? She did all that? Man, you know, she really wants to know. <laughs> yeah. Have you done those things? I, I am not trained in the strange situation protocol. Oh. I am trained in the AAI protocol. Isn't that incredible? The it's AAI. incredible. Oh. It's incredible. That's a life-changing experience. It is. It is. You will never listen to someone talk the same way again right right Right? it's true it makes it makes dinner parties very (laughs) different I'm definitely always you know sort of coding people in my head it's it's very fun um so yeah I mean I am someone who really wants to know there's no doubt about it and I think the fact that I don't have a scientific background I don't have a particularly academic background um you know, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a, I have an MFA in poetry. That's my event. I did, I did go to school for linguistics. I never finished my PhD. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm an emotional learner. And I am a creative learner. And so I, and I'm a poet. And I'm a, I'm a spiritual seeker. I'm a Zen student. So the way that I came at it, like I didn't have any, any rules about what I was supposed to do or not supposed to do. And I think that that really was to my advantage in this case. So I was just riveted by the strange situation as a love story. I just was, I just wanted to understand it. Like what is going on here and how is it possible that these dyads work the same way so consistently? You know, that was just so riveting to me. And so I literally and genuinely, authentically really wanted to know. So because I didn't, you know, I wasn't in the field I, and I was a writer and a researcher, I could just kind of knock on the door of Dr. Howard Steele in, at the, you know, at the new school and say, hey, I'm working on this project and I'd really like to, you know, view a strange situation. And he said, okay. And invited me in. And so I went and we became friendly and we became, you know, we got to know each other. And he was incredibly generous to me throughout the entire uh, 10 year book writing experience. He's a wonderful man, and so is his wife. Oh, Miriam, have, yeah, she's um, amazing. Miriam, uh, we have consults at Chadok where I work every oh. month with Miriam. Oh, you do? Yeah. You're so lucky. Yes, I know. Oh. Um, we have a long-term relationship with them looking at the intergenerational transmission of yes. attachment in adoption. Oh, um, so That's what our sample's about. But, but they're just... And I just have to be a cheerleader for how yeah. incredibly uh, brilliant and generous people oh. they are. And fun and nice and sweet and just delightful yeah. by any measure. Yeah, absolutely. So he was open to like letting you see a strange. Yeah. And uh, New York's a big state, but so, but, but you are at least in New York. Like yep. I yep. had to travel. Like two and a half hours. So, okay. I, so I got down there and, and um, talked to him and told him about my book project, which wasn't a book project yet. It was, you know, just, I was starting, I knew I wanted to do this, but I had no idea if it would happen or if, you know, how, it would happen and then I just kept obsessing I just obsess and obsess and read and read and try to drill down and understand it and um, 
And then I, and I, so in nonfiction, in the nonfiction writing world, you have to write a proposal to get a book deal. And so I wanted to start, I, at some point I said, okay, I'm just going to write a proposal. But even in order to write the proposal, I needed to do so much research because I was really having a hard time understanding the strange situation. Mm -hmm. And I know that other, that readers have felt that way. And I don't think I'm alone, but you know, just watching a strange situation on a video, like it was really hard for me to track the action, like what's really happening and, and why? And I, I just, uh, I couldn't follow it. And so it took me a lot of times watching and watching and watching to try to understand it. And then I, um, I, I, I started just kind of scoping around, trying to understand like where, I wanted to know where are Mary Ainsworth's notes about this thing? In my mind, I imagined like all these, these filing cabinets and, and this hasn't been written about. And where are the notes of this? How did this happen? You know, Robert Karen's incredible book. Oh, so Cats. good. Oh yes. my God. Such an incredible <laughs> book. Um, that, you know, I read that over and over and over, but I, I just, and she was alive. He was able to, um, Mary was alive. He could, he interviewed her. So I'm very envious. And, and so I just kept asking around and I asked Everett Waters, like, where do you think that her, her research is? And he responded, you know, email is amazing. People respond, especially if you say you're working on a book. Again, I was working on a book proposal. I wasn't yet writing a book because I didn't have a book deal. Um, and so he, he's the one, I believe, who said, you know, Bob Marvin might have a lot of material. And so I, some, I contacted him and, and he said, okay. And so I went down to, to the Mary Ainsworth Clinic where, you know, the clinic that Bob Marvin began in Charlottesville, Virginia. And indeed, it wasn't a filing cabinet, but it was boxes and boxes of all of Mary's notes. And he just brought them down off the shelf and I got to look at them and I was the first person to ever ask. You're like, this is like gold. Like, yeah. I can't believe I'm getting to look at this and yeah. other people haven't asked to look at this. I just, I still can't believe it. <laughs> so, you know, it was just sort of like that. And then um, I went to her archive in Akron. That was easy access. I, um, you know, and then, and then things built up. And so, um, you know, another lovely, delightful man, Alan Sroof, gave me permission to do the strange situation training in Minneapolis, which was just one of the greatest, you know, weeks of my life. So fun. He is so incredible. And, um, and then after that, you know, after I got quite far in the book writing process, I had my deal with Random House. I had, you know, the whole thing was happening and I knew Howard and Miriam pretty well or Howard anyway. Um, at that point then, you know, Howard and Miriam said that they were doing the AAI training and my husband and I asked if we could come. He's, my husband is a psychotherapist. And they said, okay. So we did. And that was, you know, the second best two weeks of my life. It was just so fun and so interesting. So that's yeah. how it happened. And um, it was a lot, but it didn't feel like super, it wasn't, I wasn't white knuckling it. It was, you know, a pleasure. I, yeah. I felt so grateful that I was able to do this. It did take an awfully long time though, because I also was working the whole time. Yeah, raising my daughter and you know it was a lot but I miss it frankly <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so I'm you know so I'm reading this book and I'm imagining you you know going here and going there and <laughs> knock 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 Dr. Sroof you know can I yeah. come to, to this can I watch this and um you know the 
the, the people that you called upon, just in my limited, you know, I've had more or less interactions with them. They are such kind and generous people. Oh I'm gosh. so glad that they were so open to yeah. this. And, you know, I think perhaps they've devoted their lives to this theory. So perhaps it feels very good for them that, that, that you were wanting to delve into this and really kind of tell the masses about so. it. And to get it right, you know, and Alan Struve was another person who, you know, tirelessly went over this manuscript with me. I, I have asked he so many questions over the years, you know, and he responds. He always responds so kindly, so generously. And, you know, it's that classic thing of I, I acknowledge all the help I've received, but all the mistakes are mine, of course. Yeah. Um, it's been difficult, you know, to teach myself this theory. It's been, a, it's been quite challenging. And I'm sure I got some things wrong, and, and certainly um, some scholars will see it differently. But I think I got the basics. Yes, and I think, you know, when, you know, it's a lot different to write a book for general consumption yeah. than the way that you can write in a scientific journal. I mean, that's not how you could write in this. You could right, right. Would not have engaged people. It would have not have gotten the message out in the same way. So, yeah. So, okay, so there's there's something else I want to ask you about and because I think it's an important thing to kind of share in terms of how this whole book falls together. So this there's this reoccurring theme in the book, part of the reason that, that you were really concerned about your own attachment, your own history. You have this story that you hold in your mind from your childhood yeah. um, that you share in the book multiple times that made you think, was I somehow abused or did something happen yeah. to me? And since that's such an important thread that goes through the book and, and even has a very happy ending at the end, um, I wondered if you could share some about that, that whole theme and how that drove you. Sure. Without giving everything away. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I, so, so cut to sort of the end game, you know, I now know that part of what my mother, particularly, because my father and I didn't have a great relationship, um, what my mother bestowed upon me, if not, you know, the perfect childhood, a real sense of confidence about my own feelings. So, you know, I've always been very curious about myself. I've always kept a journal. I've always... Um, you know, really paid close attention to my inner states ever since I was a young kid. So, um, and that I now understand in terms of attachment as part of the protective measure of attachment, like, you know, being able to uh, be aware of yourself, be able to mentalize is, is what an, a secure attachment gives you. So, um, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a pretty delinquent kid. I got into a lot of trouble, but I was always really curious about why am I doing this? What is, what's going on for me? And there was a situation that had happened uh, when I was really young with my father that always kind of nagged at me. And I thought, like, God, was I abused? Was he, you know, ickier than I even thought? Because I never really particularly liked my dad that much. And so, and I had a therapist once who said, you know, little girls aren't born not liking their daddies, sort of suggesting that something was going on. And so I always held this in my head, even as a teenager, when I was, you know, going about some kind of dangerous activities, I would, this, uh, this image would flash in my mind and I would think like, oh God, like, I guess 
I there's something wrong with me. It's, it was, it's, it's like that shame thing that does occur when people are abused. I was abused in some ways, for sure. I was not sexually abused by my father, I don't believe. Um, and so, but there was this shamey, shame kind of dark spot that I felt. And then when I, so basically that, that, um, that little story developed, I developed a huge narrative around it, that there was something wrong with me. This was the reason why. And then as the mind works, it became pretty concrete in my head. I became very codified around this idea. And this, this image was at the heart of it. So when I did my adult attachment, when I got my adult attachment interview done by Howard Steele, um, and he, I told him about that memory, and he said something about that memory that really flipped this light switch for me. And it helped me see that memory, myself, my family, my whole life in a totally different light. Which and, everybody has to buy the book to, right. to find out how, <laughs> exactly. that, how that went down. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and, then it, and then it has changed my life. And, and really changed the way that I've been telling my story. Because as you know, the AAI is all about our story. And, and, um, and it helped me see another aspect of my story. You know, one thing I can say to readers is something that I talk about at the end of the book is how I always had been looking at these pictures of myself when I was alone. And I would lament like, oh my God, there I am again, alone, alone, alone. Like, why is this kid always alone? And then I realized, wait a minute, I wasn't alone. There was someone there taking my picture. I was in a relationship. Someone was noticing me. Someone thought I was cute and actually wanted to commit that image of me to, to the world. And, you know, you forget that. Yes. Yes. That's which is true. not to say, which is not to say, by the way, that, you know, there aren't lots and lots and lots of children who are terribly abused and where those stories, it's not to say that those stories aren't, you know, I don't mean to suggest that everybody's story needs a light flip. Um, you know, this was my story and it's up to each and every one of us to figure out what the truth is of our own, you know, what our own truth is. So. Yes, yes, yes. Very, very important um, yeah. things that you're bringing out there. Um, so, you know, and all along, you know, I don't know if there's any, oh gosh, because you were using this whole process to also reflect on your own mothering. Yeah. You know, are there any things that, you know, you want to share with readers? Like, okay, these were some seminal pivotal points in terms of my own reflections as a mother, which was, you know, a big part of this whole quest that came to light for you. Does anything in particular come to mind that you would want to share? Um, gosh, well, um, you mean like stories about anything or, or just like takeaway kind of Take thing ways, you know whatever you know whatever comes to mind uh -huh. I, know a, I know it's a really broad question but i just really want to bring your personal journey into this yeah yeah for, as a mother your personal journey as a mother right well one thing that i learned is that um love love really doesn't break and um you know i felt broken and i have discovered that um, my love is not broken and that I can access it at different times to different degrees. Um, and that's true for all of us. And, um, and that, you know, when I'm feeling 
edgy and angry or frustrated or, you know, whatever, um, regardless of what kind of attachment pattern we might have, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what if I'm insecure? Or what if my kid is insecure? Or what if, does it matter if you're resistant or avoidant? You know, what are the different types of insecurity and, and what's the antidote for different types of quote problems? And I always say, the antidote is always the same. It doesn't matter what kind of insecurity you may or may not have in your life. If you want to move your life in, you know, if you want to move the needle on your delight, then what you need to do is always the same. And that is to shine the light toward yourself, to, to become aware of all your thoughts and feelings of what's going on inside of your own body. Um, and this is what I learned, you know, I've learned this for years on the cushion and then the attachment work just, you know, brought it full circle. And, um, and so there's science behind what I have been discovering through meditation all these years that, and, you know, and this is what all the research is showing that, that, that ability to mentalize that ability to have reflective functioning, like the steels call it, is what makes us able to attend to our children. And it sounds like, I feel like people always think like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, that sounds a little, a little light, you know, a little um, woo-woo, a little unscientific, but there's nothing more true about it. If, and, you know, the Steels in particular have done amazing work with video um, awareness, you know, having to look at yourself over video that's developing awareness. You can do it on the cushion. You can do it in therapy. You can do it with video. You can do it through journaling. You can do it with your friends. You can do it by looking in the mirror, whatever it takes. When we, um, you know, the reason we, we have a hard time attuning to our children is because we have a hard time attuning to our own reactions. And so developing the ability to feel our, our reactions and to, um, you know, open up, our, our own hearts is the answer to whatever ails us as far as our relationships go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, so I learned that. Yes. <laughs> and I'm still learning that. Yeah. And I'm just thinking as you're talking, such an overlap with all of your study of Buddhism and all of that. That must've yeah. just been so interesting to like put that all together. Oh, still is. I mean, I'm still, you know, during this quarantine time, of course. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's miraculous, really. Yeah. You know, another thing that you bring up in the book that I, I found interesting to think about, well, millions of things, but anyway, was with <laughs> Mary Ainsworth that she didn't have children. Right. And you wondered we share your, your, your things that you said about that and how you think that impacted her as a scientist, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I wrote in the book that, um, and I really believe this, that I'm grateful that she didn't have children. She really wanted to have children. So I feel sad that she didn't have what she wanted and she called it a great sorrow of her life. And so my heart breaks for her. And I feel grateful that she didn't have children because I don't think she could have done this research if she had skin in the game. 
you know, the, the maternal sensitivity scales, have you, have you, are you familiar with that, Karen? Yes, but, but go ahead and share whatever you want with listeners about them. Okay. Yeah. It is quite the document. Um, oh my goodness. And it is not for the faint of heart. You know, it's like, um, what is it? Something like five different indices and you fall on a nine point scale on your say accessibility and you know accessibility on one end and ignoring on the other end and and it's so intricate and the, the way that she broke down the ways that we love people and and i don't think that if you were a mother if she were a mother she would have the stomach to get that involved in the ways that we can disappoint people, you know, because mm -hmm. it's nine points. That's a lot of room to screw up. Mm -hmm. And um, because she drilled down and was so specific, it's very painful to actually read and to think about all the ways that we do fail our children. And, and, and I would say that the maternal sensitivity skills are not just about maternal sensitivity. They really should be called the human sensitivity skills. Yes. And, and, and we can apply it to any relationship. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you feel it gave rough. her a, a, a real objectivity that would have been difficult to have otherwise. Objectivity and also just um, kind of courage. I would call it courage more than even objectivity because I don't know if I believe in objectivity, but she had the nerve, <laughs> the heart, the wherewithal, the capacity to go deeply into these, um, these relational realms because she, didn't, she wasn't going to be shaming herself. Yeah. She wasn't going to be having to face like, oh my God, I have failed my child in this way because that's really what it takes. You know, to, to be really attuned to ourselves and our children, we have to be able to admit when we are falling short. And that's okay. That's mixed feelings. That's because we're human. That's, you know, the perfectly, there's no such thing as a perfect attunement. 50% of the time is, you know, as good as it gets. But we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to be held accountable and um, to ourselves, nobody else. Our kids will hold us accountable. That's for sure. And to pretend that that's not the case, to, to pretend that it doesn't matter is just not true. And, and um, there are many other things going into a person's life, of course. There's culture, there's you know, context, there's so, so many elements that go into creating a life. Um, but as far as our parent relationships, our parenting relationships go, to think that we don't affect our children and that the ways that we feel inside don't affect them. That's where the magic is. You know, that's this magical, you know, Mary said that, that attachment was internal. It's an internalized something. And Alan Stroof used to always say, it's an internalized something that wants to work. And I love that. You know, we just need to get in tune with it. We just need to, you know, let it fill us. Um, that desire to be in a delightful relationship. We all have it and we can, ex we can access it, but you know, it's hard. We've got a lot, a lot of uh, baggage under there. Thank you so much for clarifying that further. I mean, that, that, that um, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that that's wonderful how how you explain that in a deeper way. So I realize we're you know getting close um, to the end of our time, but I want to talk about the afterward. So mm, yeah, so here I am back to my weekend of you know being obsessed with the book, and uh, so I'm like, oh. I see the afterword coming up in the audible version. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, like I, you know, that'll be a minute or two. So I'm like looking at the thing and I'm like, wait a minute, why is that so long? So I'm scrambling around getting the <laughs> Oh my God, I know like, that afterword. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't your average afterword. No wonder it's so many minutes on the audible thing. <laughs> so so let's let's talk a little bit about oh that because it's God. really yeah. quite rich and it's not it's the typical afterword in a book. No. So that's no. why I wanted you to talk about that a little bit before we wind, wind up. Yeah, well, that's my insecurity right, right there on the page. You know, I was like, oh my God, I, there is so much I have not covered and I, I just can't let this thing go to press without talking about these, you know, a little bit more of the scholarship and some of the holes in my very own argument. Um, you know, I, I, I presented the, the manuscript with all the endnotes as footnotes, and I really wanted readers to be able to link directly to my discussion as they were reading, but they said, no way, people will not be able to get through it because there's hundreds of pages of footnotes. And so, um, you know, but I feel so nervous. I'm not a scholar, I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm a poet, this whole thing, the story that I have in my head. So I felt like, okay, I need to just like bang this thing out. And so that's what I did. I did my best to sort of hit all the, the questions that people ask me and the doubts, I tried to write to the skeptics. I usually was writing to myself, but in the afterward, I wrote, I tried to write to the skeptics. Yes, yes. So it's, it's great. I mean, I, I, I thought it was an important aspect of the book and appreciated the, the time and effort you put into that. And so as you said earlier, this took 10 years. Now it's actually more. I, I was saying 10 years a couple years ago. You know, if we count now and the book promotion such as it is and all the rest of it, you know, this is just more than 10 years. But yeah, it's a long time. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, as someone who's also written things like, I mean, was it, was, was it a part like that it was active research and then you did all that yeah. and started writing or was it, you know, writing and then, okay, now I'm adding, like, how, how did that all, uh, I, I'm yeah. curious about that. Well, it started, you know, just as an idea and a passion. And then it's, and then, and in the middle, I had a New York magazine article about the topic that quote went viral and that really helped me get the book deal, of course. Yes. And, um, you know, so there was writing of that. And then, you know, then I writing a proposal, writing the proposal took about a year. And then, you know, going through all the trouble of trying to get that, you know, get a book deal with that. And then that happened. And then I had to actually write the book. And then, you know, several, several drafts of that. And all the research and then, you know, it, and then all the travel. And it's just, it was a lot. Was yes, a lot. yes. Yes. Worth every well, it shows. I mean, Aww, really you. exceptional. Aww. I want to congratulate you for such an amazing contribution. This ability oh, wow. to strike a balance between being true to the science, but 
putting something out there that's going to draw the reader in and, you know, help them really understand this in a deep way. Your own vulnerability mm-hmm. in the book is just beautiful. Oh, so, that means so much you. coming from you. Thank you. Yes. And, and so let's talk about where, where people can find this. Oh, anywhere and everywhere. Yep. Anywhere and everywhere. They can go to Amazon. Yep. Or your local bookseller. Your lo- yes. If we- they don't have it, then please ask them to order it. Yes. Or you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, you know, all those online venues. You can go, or Random House, you can get it from Random House. Yeah. Um, you can go on my website, uh, bethanysaltman.com. You can find links there. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Great. And um, I'm not really a huge social media person, but um, I'd love to meet people over, um, you know, in those channels. Yes. There's there's a lot going on with attachment theory and, um, you know, in social media, and I'm not in on all that. And so I'd love to sort of know more about it. Right, right. And now are you doing speaking engagements related to this? And, and, I, I know this is a weird time for all of this, but I, yeah, I just want to yeah. make sure we're putting every possibility out there. Would that be on your? It'll your, all be on my website. You know, it's been yeah. a very difficult time to come out with a book. Let's yes. put it that way. Yes. But I'm I'm very open and would love to um, get involved. Yes. Good. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much thank for your time. You. Yeah. Um, what I, I just, once I got my hands on the book, I was just so excited. I was going to get to talk to you and interview Yay. you. Um, so thank you so much for being yeah, on the attachment. Thank you. I love your podcast. Connection. Oh, good, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, bye-bye for now. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future episodes. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.